All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of uh, Two Minute Drill brought to you by Deep Dive Sports. I'm your host today, Brian. I'm joined by Nick, Dom, and David. How's it going, guys? Oh, just peachy. Going pretty good. How about yourself there, Brian? I am doing great. A little hot, but great. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) All right. So we did take a little bit of a hiatus just because, you know, not much going on in the football world lately, but uh, we're back. And uh, first topic tonight is we're going to talk about the USFL. They just had their uh, championship game between the Stallions and the Stars. Stallions winning 33 to 30. And uh, just go around, ask you guys if you saw the game, what you thought. And then uh, what you thought of the season overall, and then uh, what you guys kind of looking forward to next season, what you would hope to see, changes, all that stuff. So let's go ahead and start with Dom. Yeah, so unfortunately, I had a lot of family stuff this weekend, so I wasn't able to watch the game, but I did watch um, the highlights of the game, the extended highlights. And I was impressed with what I saw. It came down to the wire, the Stallions winning 33-30, like you mentioned. I, I thought the league was a big success this year. Um, the viewership, you know, steadied throughout the entire season. It seemed like there was more interest as the season went on and the quality of play got better throughout the season. I think next year, I think they could be a, a good jump for the USFL. I mean, you, you look at the attendance of the playoff games and the, the whole season, everyone was talking about, oh, there's no one going to these games. And, you know, is the league really successful if no one's going to these games? As soon as they move them out of Birmingham, there were, what, 15,000 people in Canton for the championship game, which is obviously by far the most people that's gone to a USFL game this year. I thought it was a good season, and I'm looking forward to next year. All right. And uh, what do you got, uh, David? Yeah, for me, I also was not able to catch it at least live uh, due to me being at work when it occurred however I was able to catch some of the highlights and I did want to cover some points on it though I thought that it was probably the best gameplay that the league has had so far at least compared to what it was early in the season but also that is somewhat expected being that it is a championship game it should be the two best teams of that league and I thought the teams, even the ones that didn't do all that well record-wise, showed improvement, mainly because they actually had time to practice and prepare for getting to know each other more and doing actual practice plays and stuff like that. And just for reference, when they first started and they were doing not that great in terms of overall play, they had only been given like three weeks of play uh, in terms of practice before the league's inaugural season was even supposed to start. So that's my two cents to at least in terms of the uh, uh, championship. And I've got some more for recommendations and stuff like that when we get to it. Okay. Well, I'm all ears for the recommendations, man. All right, then. So I'll get into it. Um, so main, I don't think that they need to add any more teams right now. I think that 
they really need to take a few years before they even ever consider any kind of expansion. Uh, one, I would give the time. One, I would do this to give the teams that they already have more time to actually improve. Uh, because if you add too many teams too quickly, you can run into the problem of too many horrible teams all at one time, causing people to possibly lose interest and not want to watch the games anymore due to how horrible the content could be. Two, it will allow viewers to get to know the active players better and better decide who their favorite team and or player is. And three, they haven't really built up the level of consistent viewership to acquire new teams. I mean, they literally just got done playing an entire season in Birmingham, Alabama, in a stadium that oftentimes was completely empty. So I would grow the popularity of the league in teams first so that you can afford to build or rent proper stadiums in the hometowns of each of the teams and then consider growing. Also, I would keep the rules consistent because one of the issues of learning a new game or sporting league is figuring out what the rules are, which translates to people following and understanding what is on the field better. So that's all I really got in terms of that. All right. Thanks, David. I definitely agree with that. I mean, I watched a little bit of the championship and I mean, we got lucky. That was a very offensive heavy game. It was very exciting, but it could have been a, you know, defensive heavy, very slow, boring game, which personally I don't enjoy. So I had a lot of fun watching it. I thought that the season was pretty successful. I mean, it could have gone one way or the other. They didn't have amazing viewership, but they had enough to definitely keep it going for next season. Um, I know they probably saved a bunch of money playing all the games in Birmingham, but Next year, I would like to see them play some games in some of the other cities like Pittsburgh or wherever they would want to play in Michigan for the Panthers just to kind of get those road games out so that fans of those teams can actually see those, see their team play without, you know, having to travel all the way across the country. But honestly, I am was surprised in a very good way by the first season, and I can't wait for the uh, second season. And then, uh, Dom, you got anything else? No, not really. Um, I kind of agree with all of your guys' points. I, you know, if I was the USFL, I would consider expanding this year. Um, but I think getting to the current teams into stadiums and playing another year would probably be best. And then looking to expand, you know, maybe the year after. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I mean, when you look at the uh, map of where like the USFL teams are, you'll you notice there's a big lack of teams in like, uh, the south, southeast and like the central part of America. So I think those will be the main places they're going to look to expand. But we'll move on to our second topic, which, you know, over the last week, week and a half has been a lot of Deshaun Watson news. He had his hearing. We're still not sure if he's getting suspended or how long the suspension is, but we kind of got a general attitude of how things are going, some leaks from the NFL on, you know, them saying they're going to push for an indefinite suspension, all that. So now that, you know, we're getting a little more detail about the case and how things are going, 
what do you think of the uh, trade now that it's been a couple months? And we'll go ahead and start with Nick. I mean, I think the trade is still probably a good trade if he's able to play and he's able to produce like he, you know, like he was before. But I, I think that's just a big if, you know, I made a pretty big prediction, you know, in, in the first Let's Talk Sports episode where I said, I don't think he takes a snap for the Browns this year. And, and I'm going to kind of stick by that. I think a lot of people think a year long suspension might be a little bit too much, but I think when you go off of um, past suspensions, whether that was with uh, Roethlisberger um, or so on and so on, I think when you think of the magnitude of, of what he's being accused of, and then, you know, with, you know, the new information coming out of, the, you know, 66 times that the Texans helped um, foster, I think it was like either some um, NDA form for him that he went to some random hotel that they got him up in for that whole season um, to go diff- get different masseuses, like 66 different masseuses. So I think there's there's a whole different um just it's just so different than what we've we've seen before and I think the potential for it to continue to grow and get worse and worse I just feel like if they give him a year-long suspension and they say that's for what has already transpired and then what could transpire I think that that would probably be the most fair um but I know that the Browns don't want that and Deshaun Watson doesn't want that so I don't know I I think the NFL is kind of in a tough situation because either they either they go with what Deshaun Watson and the Browns want, or they go with, you know, what the public perception wants out of it, or they find a happy medium. You know, like I said, I I think that at this magnitude, we've never seen something like this. And, you know, if Tom Brady's going to get four or six games for deflated balls and, you know, Roethlisberger is going to get six games for what he was accused of back in the day and, and so on and so on. I, I think that, th- that if you're going to escalate it, I think that a full season would probably make a lot of sense here. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of where I'm leaning. Um, what are you thinking, David? Yeah. Um, for a second, take morals and ethics just kind of out of the, the question for a second. I never really liked it because you're giving up a massive amount of team capital on a guy that you knew for a fact would have been out for at least a year. Cause I'm going to go stick with Nick on the fact that he's going to be probably out for a year, maybe a little bit longer. And that was really before the whole NFL investigation. And before you decided to settle, I think it was like 20 out of the 24 that I'm aware of. And in terms of an actual suspension from the league, I think that he'll be out for a year at least. Uh, At most, I think maybe two years, mainly because of the fact that Watson has settled 20 out of the 24 lawsuits, which to me doesn't look good necessarily for him because while not all the facts have been released to the public and it basically says that there is some truth maybe not a hundred percent of the truth is to these claims and he might just be covering up that might be a stretch for me to say but it just doesn't look good for him if he settles these cases 
but you could also make the argument it doesn't look good for him if he continues out these these court cases either. So it could go either way. Um, I would be mad if I were the Browns because if the team's investigations was as accurate as they say it was, then something happened that isn't up to what people believed. The statement heavily is reliant on the fact of what the Haslam's and the team did or didn't know. Like, did they know about the 66 massages over the 17th month, 17 month period? Uh, because according to the plain dealer, which by the way, I have right here, I actually took notes. <laughs> uh, everything that they have done so far regarding Watson has been to some degree alienating some of their female like fan base. While it may not be many, but it is still somewhat of a thing. And that's really that I, all that I have right at the moment regarding yeah. that situation. Yeah. I mean, uh, so from what I understand, the original person that made the accusation is one of the four that hasn't been settled. So I think that does go into uh, making it look even worse. But uh, Dom, how are you feeling on everything? Well, I'm going to try to keep my personal opinions out of it and just kind of look at like what we know. And so in the collective bargaining agreement, the NFL instated um, the judge that's kind of overhearing this case to kind of handle cases or situations like this. Since this is the first time she's being used, it's being reported that it's kind of unlikely for Roger Goodell to kind of override her because it would kind of look bad that, you know, they implement this new process of handling, um, you know, player discipline. And then as soon as they handle the first case, he just overrides it and goes back to kind of what he's been known to do. Um, But also we found out that the NFL concluded their investigation and they did not present any evidence of violence, threat of force or coercion. You know, I don't know how deep their investigation went or how thorough their investigation was. And we, we can only go off of what we know and what's been tweeted out. And I think I was reading um, Mike Florio's posts on Twitter a couple of days ago. And their Watson's camp right now is positioning that they're going to try to use him not playing last year as part of his suspension. And what might be in the works is he's fined the $10 million that he got paid last year. And they'll count last him not playing last year as part of the suspension and then add maybe six to eight games onto that. So he'd miss the first six to eight games this year. You know what I personally, I don't know if that's enough, but I don't know that that's all that we really know up to this point. If I were the Browns personally, I don't think I would have made the trade, you know, just based off of what we knew at the time of the deal and everything that's come out since I personally would have went for someone like Jimmy Garoppolo that doesn't really have any baggage. Um, and I still think that he would have been an improvement over Baker, but so I, I get the, the desperation aspect of it since the Browns haven't had a you know franchise caliber quarterback since Bernie Kosar, but I don't know that does is what Deshaun Watson is accused of override your desperation to win. I don't really know. Um, uh, personally, I don't really think so, but I'm not the GM or owner of the Browns, so it's not really my, my decision to make. Um, but yeah, I personally, I don't know if I would have made the trade, but 
it just might work out for the Browns. And, and yeah. just, just to hop in real quick, you know, like I, I know that there's not like clearly there's not a lot of, you know, evidence or, or enough evidence for for it to have gone to um, trial. So he didn't he didn't go to a criminal trial. You know, kind of going back of what Dom said that that we know about. You know what I mean? So I think that that's something that kind of adds into their their decision making process as well too. And um, it and I like I could see them giving him you know a six game suspension and be like, okay, we got to give you something. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, we're not going to give you a lot. But I guess I guess my question then with you guys is what happens when they give him a six game suspension and then halfway through the season, five or 10 more women file a lawsuit? Like what, what do we I guess what does the NFL do at that point? And then what do we what do we think about that? You know what I mean? And then to Brian's point, what if the the one the first woman who, you know, filed the lawsuit or, you know, started the, this, you know, what if she never backs down like? I guess what do we, what over time do we continue to think about this and 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 how how as fans and how you guys as Browns fans do you do you root for him on the field? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I guess that's just kind of those are the kind of questions that I have going forward with all this. I mean, I guess like we'll cross that bridge when if we get there, if five to ten more women come out. But if uh, the first girl that um, you know press charges against Watson doesn't back down, then over the summer, it's going to go to court like it was planned to already. And we'll probably, you know, have a two to three week trial and then that'll be it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. In, in terms of, you know, being able to root for the Browns, I mean, there's still 52 other players on that roster that I still, well, 51 other, other players on that roster that I still really like and have a lot of respect for. And they didn't really ask to be put into this situation. So yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not going to give up being a, a Browns fan just because I really don't like one person on the team. No, no, I wasn't asking you not to root for the. I'm just saying for him in general. You know what I mean? Like, because I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess in my mind it's like I guess you know winning cures all. So you know if if he comes in and he lights it up and he wins and maybe even wins a Super Bowl in the first couple of years, which is definitely a possibility with that roster. Um, I mean. That that kind of that kind of cures all. I guess you know in that quotation, winning cures all things. But still, it's always going to be in the back of everybody's head. Like we're talking about. Oh yeah, I, I'm not denying that. And like it to me, I'm not going to be happy for Deshaun Watson. It, if the Browns do win a Super Bowl in the next couple of years, I'm going to be happy for Nick Chubb. I'm going to be happy, um, you know, for the young wide receivers that that we have, and really everyone else on the roster, especially Miles Garrett. Like, I'm going to be happy for those guys that they finally accomplished something. And, you know, if Deshaun Watson's on the roster, if he's not, then, no, oh, well, he's on the roster. But I'm going to be more happy for the other guys on the team. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where in this situation, the NFL hasn't truly dealt with something. Like, they've had, you know, allegations against other players, but they haven't had it to this extent where there's – dozens of allegations and constantly evolving so it's going to be one of those things we're just going to have to kind of play it by ear and see how the nfl is going to handle everything but well, um, also one one more thing to add on to this so the the woman that's handling the case is a former judge she was a, she was a judge for 30 years so she's treating she's like she's looking at this as if it's a court case if two um courts down in Texas failed to indict him and the NFL truly did not find any sort of evidence of violence or anything 
then how, how do you justify a year suspension? Yeah. You know, I, I, trust me, I'm sure he did most of what he's accused of. I'm not denying that, but I, based off of the evidence that's being presented to a judge, if there's no evidence, then how do you, how do you punish? I mean, I guess, I guess my thing is because they, because they've punished in the past, what is it? Um, conduct detrimental to the shield or whatever, you know? So, I mean, you've, I mean, you've seen, you've seen players like just because, you know, when Ezekiel Elliott had, you know, his, his whole issue and everything, and it came out that it wasn't true and that they were lying and stuff like that and all those things, he still was suspended for, you know, a couple games because of that, because of, you know, the conduct that was deemed detrimental to the shield. So I yeah. think that that's, I think it, in this thing, you, you look at this and like, if, if they were to present that case of like, well, this has been something that has been going on for what, almost two years now. So you look at that as like this, this is a, this is a huge, you know, stain, I guess, on the NFL for the past you know year and a half or whatever. Oh and yeah. I'm, I'm not denying I, that. I think, I think that they could use that, you know, maybe, maybe, like I said, a year might not, they might not be able to get a year. Because you know the the play the you know the players association and Deshaun Watson and the Browns they don't want that they're gonna fight that but if you're like okay how about you just take six games you come back and you'll be able to finish out the rest of the season as long as the Browns go 500 then hopefully you guys will be able to make the playoffs you know what I mean so I think that that's something that that they're trying to think about as well too but like you said I guess it's not really up to Roger Goodell if, if he's gonna go with what what she wants and maybe she'll come back and be like there's really nothing here. I wouldn't recommend any suspension. You know what I mean? So maybe he doesn't get suspended at all. And they're just like, okay, go along with it. We don't know. So it's definitely, it'll definitely be interesting to see what she comes back with. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, it is interesting as a lot of people have been saying she's treating it very much like a court case. So we'll see what she comes up with probably in the next week or two. Um, but assuming that, you know, it is a suspension of eight games or more, you know, maybe a year whatever like a long-term expense or suspension if you're the browns what are you guys going to do to kind of adjust to it and still go into the season being competitive uh let's start with dom if i'm the browns and if the suspension is eight games or less i'm I'm rolling with jacoby Brissett because it doesn't really make any sense to bring in another quarterback at that point because you got deshaun watson coming back you know, at the halfway point of the season or less. If it's a year suspension, then I'm calling the 49ers and seeing what they want for Jimmy Garoppolo, have him as a one-year bridge quarterback and uh, go into next season with Deshaun Watson. And uh, where, uh, what do you got, David? Regardless of whether it's a year or eight to six games or less, I probably go with Jacoby Brissett uh, regardless because while I understand where Dom is coming from in the year-long suspension, it makes no sense for me to give up any more assets that I have already done and just for a guy to play a year because my starting quarterback sitting out on suspension when we have Jacoby Brissett and he's already – played an entire year as a bridge quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts and did half decent with an all right team. I mean, you look at this team and on paper, this is 
a really good playoff team and possibly a Super Bowl contender, and you throw in a half-decent quarterback like Jacoby Brissett, as long as he can make his passes, they should be fine one way or another. I, I think because this is a potential Super Bowl contending team, if Deshaun Watson is suspended for a year, that gives me more reason to trade for um, Jimmy Garoppolo. Because even though Jacoby Brissett is a good backup, I mean, you look at how he played last year. He did not play well at all for the Dolphins last year. And his best year in the league was in 2019 when he had, he threw for less than 3,000 yards, had an 88 quarterback rating, and only threw for 18 touchdowns. You know, if I'm comparing Jacoby Brissett to Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield's still a better quarterback than Jacoby Brissett. So if you have a, a team around your quarterback that is a potential Super Bowl contender, why would you downgrade a quarterback? You know, if I'm the Browns and I, I have this roster, I don't care about a 2026 first-round pick. I don't care about a, a 2027 third-round pick. And plus, I don't think the asking price for Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be that high anyways. All right, interesting. And um, what are you thinking, Nick? I'm going to agree with David on this one. And I'm going to, like, Jimmy G is – they're they're going to want a first-round draft pick for him. And I agree with David. Like, it, you've already – you've already given up so much for Deshaun Watson, like turning around and bring in Jimmy G just doesn't make much sense. And I think going back to his point of when, you know, Jacoby Brissett was in, is it Indy? Like it was a very similar setup to where it was a run dominant offense. So you just need him to turn around and hand the ball off, you know, be decent at the, you know, play action and just, just make, make solid throws. I like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that they're going to win a Super Bowl with Jacoby Brissett. I think that this year is going if if Deshaun Watson is suspended for a year and they actually and they don't appeal it and they just let it happen. Like I think that this year is kind of a wash anyway because like I said it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me to give up more assets just to have like a guy for a rental. You know what I mean? Like what are you going to give up a first round draft pick and then and hope you win a championship with Jimmy G? I mean Jimmy G is good but we've he we've seen him choke in the Super Bowl to begin with. He can't stay healthy, and I don't really think he's a guy that's going to lead you to a championship anyway. That the guy that's going to lead you to a championship is Deshaun Watson. You know, if he's able to play at a high level like he was, so I think that you you continue that you continue building that offense around a guy like Deshaun Watson because Jacoby Brissett can do a lot of the similar things. He's not as mobile but you can use him in a lot of those same packages so you can build that offense around him. And then when Deshaun Watson goes, goes ahead and joins the team, he's going to be able to step into a similar offense that everybody else has been running already. And like I said, all they're just going to, they're just going to run the ball more than they're going to pass the ball, but they've, they've done that before anyway. Um, I think another option, I, I know it's not very likely, but I just saw a report today that, you know, the Seahawks were never interested in Baker Mayfield. So there's no trade destinations for Baker Mayfield. Like nobody really wants him. So either the Browns are going to have to sit there and just let him sit, just take up a roster spot and pay him his money, or they're going to have to cut him and pay him his money. So regardless, I think that if Deshaun Watson is suspended for at least half of the season, I think you'd be like, Hey, can you, can you give us four games and improve your stock? Like it would only benefit you. It would only benefit us. I know it's very unlikely, but I think in that situation, you can go to him and be like, can you give us, can you give us four or six games? Like go out there, play well. And then as soon as somebody wants to trade for you, boom, you're gone. You're out of here. I promise you. And 
And if nobody wants to trade for you and Deshaun Watson comes back, then we'll cut you. We'll cut you and you'll still get your money, but you won't have to deal with being on the roster. So I think that if it's presented to him like that in his agents, I think that they'll look at that and be like, okay. Cause, cause either way, like he doesn't, his last, his, his last performance, nobody's going to, nobody's going to sign him this year if he gets cut. I mean, maybe, but everybody's kind of already set up where they want or they don't want to bring him in because they don't want the controversy because they're going to be bad anyway. You know, like Atlanta, Seattle, they're going to be bad. They want to be bad. So they're not going to bring him in. Chicago's not going to bring him in. It doesn't make much sense. So I think that like at this point, maybe his best option is to go out there and try to put some good tape together so that he can get a second opportunity somewhere else. But I think that's the less likely option. Like I said, I agree with David. I think they, they rolled Jacoby Brissett up. I, I think I think Carolina is still most likely to trade for Baker. Um, there, there are reports that they were pretty close to a deal. I don't know if talks have stalled a little bit. I still think that he's going to be traded before training camp. And I think it's most likely going to be to Carolina because I think Matt Rule's kind of desperate to keep his job. And Baker Mayfield's a better option than Sam Darnold and, you know, a bunch of rookies that we don't know what they can do. Well, I think it might be more likely than you would think. I'm not super hopeful, but uh, apparently somebody, I think it was a week ago, interviewed Baker and asked him, and he didn't give a hard no on it. He mentioned something about it'd have to be some major reaching out from the Browns, but I think the fact that he didn't just immediately say no way in hell is kind of a big thing because, I mean, it does kind of make sense that instead of going to Carolina, which – I mean, with the right quarterback could be a good team, but they're, they got some major issues. Him playing on the Browns this year would be the best option for his career because, you know, he could really put up some big numbers and sign a big contract with another team next year. I'm not super hopeful, but if I'm the Browns, Deshaun Watson gets out for a year, I would at least definitely try that avenue and see if Baker's willing to play with us. So that's my take on it. You guys got anything else? Yeah, I mean, kick the tires on it. And like, and when when has Baker Mayfield played at his best? When he's been at the when he's hit rock bottom, right? Like when there's literally no other option other than for him to go out there and ball. And like, I think this would be a perfect opportunity for him to look at that and be like, this is still a really solid team. If I go out there and do what I'm supposed to do and make the throws that I'm supposed to make and play the way that that because I still think that he could play at a pretty high level. Like I, I know that, you know, he had his injuries and stuff last year and he's a little bit inconsistent, but if he can go out there and play at a high level, like Brian said, there's probably a team out there that would give him a second shot, maybe not a huge contract right off the bat, but a nice three-year deal that would give him an opportunity somewhere um, to try again. And then that would give the Browns an opportunity to get some wins in a placeholder for Deshaun Watson or make a run at the playoffs if he's gone all year. I mean, the only thing that I would add to that is, you know, when, when the Deshaun Watson trade was about to happen, it came out that the Browns allegedly said that they wanted an adult in the room at quarterback. I think Baker being quiet for this long and then, you know, giving a mature response to that kind of question is just him saying to teams, hey, I'm not the immature guy that everyone makes me out to be and that, you know, the Browns kind of made me out to be. So I, I think that, I think the bridge between Baker and the Browns is completely shattered. I don't think he's ever going to play for the Browns again. I think him giving that kind of response is saying to teams, Hey, 
I can be, and I am a mature guy. I want to be on a different team. I want to have a chance to show that I can still be a franchise quarterback. All right. And uh, I mean, that's going to be one of those things where uh, we're probably going to find out in the next month, two, three months or so. So, and then uh, David, you got anything else to add, man? No, I think the other guys pretty much covered everything. So I'm not going to try and reiterate what was already said. So. All right, then uh, we're just going to move on to our uh, final segment of the show, which is basically every episode we're going to pick a uh, division and kind of give our prediction on, you know, what we think that division's team is going to finish, you know, win-loss rate, and then what we liked, what we didn't like about their offseason. And uh, this week we're going to go with the NFC West, which, you know, they have the reigning Super Bowl champs. They have the Cardinals, which went the longest without losing a game last year but they are playing the AFC West, which to me, honest, I think is the best division in football this coming year. I mean, a lot of very good teams. So I'm gonna, we'll go around, give our opinions on everything. Um, if you guys could just kind of go start from who you think is going to finish last and work your way up to who do you think is going to win the division, uh, we'll have Nick start. So I, th- I think uh, we all pretty much have the same team that's going to finish last. <laughs> um, so I have the Seahawks finishing last. I do have them going four and 13. Um, I-, I do think they're going to squeak out a few wins. I don't think that they'll, I don't think they're going to win zero games. I just don't see that happening. Um, but I do have them going four and 13. I do have them losing every single game against their in division uh, opponents. So I do think that they'll, they'll lose all those games. I don't think that they're going to get a win on one of those, but, um, but yeah, that's where they're going to finish. And then I have the 49ers finishing in third in that division. I have them going um, eight and nine. They could squeak out a couple more wins. I just think it, it depends on how Trey Lance plays. We haven't seen him play yet. So that I might change my mind halfway through the season on that one, but I think an eight and nine record um, you could even flip it to nine and eight. I think they will be right around that 500, um, you know, below or under, because you can't go 500 now, but um, <laughs> I have them right around that point. I think that it makes a lot of sense. I do, I do have them winning their um, their home games against their in in division um, opponents. There, I, I do think that 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 defense is good enough to carry them in those games, and and hopefully by that point, Trey Lance is going to be able to put together you know some good uh, performances. Um, in second, I have the Cardinals going 10 and seven. So not, not too high above the 49ers. I think depending on how Kyler Murray goes out and plays, cause he started off hot last season and then he really kind of fell off. So depending on how they start their season off or f- finish their season, I think that, that they could even flip flop between the 49ers, like I said, between how Trey Lance plays, but I have them going 10 and seven. Um, I gave them the home win over there in division opponents as well. That's going to be kind of a common theme with me. I, I obviously it doesn't always happen, but I think that if you give them at least a guaranteed win, one win against their, you know, their division opponents there, I think that's pretty fair for all of them. They're at least going to get one win against each other. I feel like I don't think either, either of the three are going to sweep the season series there, but I have them going 10 and seven. And then I have the Rams finishing 14 and three ahead of that. Um, in, in, in the lead on that division. I think um, the only three losses that I had for them were, I do think they lose week one against the Bills. Um, I have them losing week three against the Cardinals because they're at Arizona. And then I have them losing 
the second to last game against the Chargers. This is their in they're in uh, Los Angeles, and I think that would be one of those games that they they just drop for some reason. Um, but other than that, I have them doing pretty well. That defense is probably one of the best defenses in the league. Um, and I think Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup are going to light it up again. And I just I think that they are a really big threat to repeat here. So I have them finishing 14 and three. All right. Yeah, I do agree. I think we all have the same team finishing last in the division. Um, what are you thinking, David? Like Nick said, I have the Seahawks going last they're uh which is kind of sad because they're kind of like my second team like my second favorite team but i have them i'm a little bit more optimistic um i do have them going five and twelve uh and so i did like the trade that they made some of the draft picks that they made in this past draft i i did like it the future's there let me put it that way. The future that they have is there. They might need a few more building blocks here and there, but we'll wait and see and, and see how this season plays out. Um, then I have the 49ers at 10 and seven. Also, again, a little bit optimistic. Uh, like Nick said, we don't know how Trey Lance is going to do, but still that's a solid defense. It's The offense is very well run by Shanahan. And he just needed someone to who wasn't as injury prone as Jimmy Garoppolo has been in the past few years. And so, which brings me to the Cardinals. I have them going either 11 and six or 12 and five, give or, give or take. And it all really comes down to Kyler Murray. And if he decides to, lack for a better way of putting it grow up a little bit because as we know from the end of last season and when the playoffs happened, he kind of threw uh, kind of like a misfit almost. And when really it's part of the playoffs, it's part of poor phrasing. I know I couldn't think of a better terminology for it. Misfit. I was like, Maybe through a tantrum. That's probably thank you. (laughs) And he just didn't really, it was his first time being in the playoffs and he didn't know really how to handle it. And so it really depends on Kyler Murray and how he does. And then I think the Rams will pop off again. And at the very least, I think they'll go 13 and four. All right. Uh, yeah, let's see if uh, we can keep the uh, Seahawks finishing last trend going. How are you feeling, Dom? Well, just because of that, I got them winning the division. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, they're, they're, they're going to finish last. Uh, they're not going to be a good football team this year. Um, I agree with David. I think the best years are to come for this team. I like some of the young building blocks that they have, and they've acquired a lot of draft picks that they can use to build out that roster. I think the best case scenario this year, if they have Drew Locke at quarterback, four to five wins, I think six if they get lucky. But I think the four to five wins is about where they'll be. Um, Other than that, I got the Cardinals finishing um, just above them. I got them eight and nine, nine and eight around there. 
Um, I'm still not 100% sold on Kyler Murray as a quarterback, looking at how he kind of collapsed in the second half of last year, and um, he looked absolutely awful in that playoff game. The team has gotten better each year that he's been the quarterback, but, but I don't know. I, I think their schedule is too tough, and I think the rest of this division is too tough. Um, finishing second, I got the 49ers. Again, nine wins probably. I think they can potentially go 10 and seven. I like this roster. I think, you know, obviously they got Debo Samuels, probably the best weapon in the NFL. You got a defense that could potentially be top five, but definitely a top 10 defense. I think Kyler Murray, or not Kyler Murray, um, Trey Lance has to step in and not mess things up too much. I like his potential in terms of his ability to run the ball. And he definitely has a bigger arm than Jimmy Garoppolo will ever have. I think the biggest question mark with him, it could be decision-making and accuracy, but he has the potential to make every throw and he, he has the athleticism to really be a game changer for this offense. So I think the 49ers have a lot of potential to be better than what a lot of people think they'll be. Um, and then obviously the clear favor for this division is the Rams defending Super Bowl champions. They didn't do anything to get worse. They, they probably got a little bit better. Um, they'll probably 14 to 13 wins. You know, it, the only thing that could potentially derail their season is Matt Stafford getting injured. But if, if he stays healthy, then, you know, there, there's really nothing that's going to stop this team. All right. Yeah, I like it. I'm going to stick with the Seahawks finishing last. I'm not thrilled about the QB situation. I think this is kind of like their rebuild year. I've got them going 5-12. and 12. Uh, then I've got the 49ers finishing second. I'm a little down on them. I mean, Trey Lance, we haven't seen much of, but I feel like there's going to be some growing pains with him fully stepping into the position. So I got them going seven and 10. Uh, the Cardinals, something that hasn't been mentioned yet, but DeAndre Hawkins is going to be out for the first six weeks. They got a real tough opening schedule. I think they're going to go nine and eight, which you know, is what it is. And then, like everybody else, I got the Rams finishing high up. I don't have them as high up as some of you guys. I got them going 12 and 5, but I think they're going to be a very good team. And then uh, let's talk about what you guys thought about everybody or these four teams offseason. We'll start with Don. I think in terms of offseason, obviously the Seahawks were probably the most active um, in terms of what they were able to do in the offseason. I think the 49ers didn't really do anything to make them worse. You know, none of these teams besides Seattle really did too much in terms of the offseason. I think they all had pretty good drafts, you know, kind of uneventful for the most part, besides uh, Russell Wilson getting traded away from Seattle. All right. How about you, David? I think that – I think it went – very well for all of them. I think that they made the decisions that they needed to make in order to take that step forward. Even if it seems like a step back at first, I think that they didn't really do anything wrong to their teams or something that was detrimental uh, to the future of the team in case if they, if they were in that position. And I just thought it was overall – they were probably the best division out of every single division because they 
were either, like Dom said, the least active or they uh, tried to improve their team for down-the-road purposes. All right, and uh, what about you, Nick? Yeah, obviously the Seahawks did the most to improve for their future um, because that's what they had to do (laughs) because they got rid of their franchise quarterback. Um, I think the 49ers, like Dom said, they didn't really do anything to make themselves worse unless Trey Lance plays worse than Jimmy G, but I don't see that happening because they're going to be able to utilize him in a lot of different ways. Um, The Cardinals, you know, obviously losing DeAndre Hopkins for six weeks sucks, but I think they have enough weapons to kind of help at least stay 500 through that time. But I think that, you know, something that everybody's overlooking is, you know, Bobby Wagner signing for the Rams. And I think that that's, that gives them a top 10 player at each level of their team. So they have a top 10 player at quarterback. They have a top 10 player at wide receiver. They have a top 10 player at the defensive line. They have a top 10 player at the linebacking core, and they have a top 10 player in the secondary. So I think that, you know, obviously I don't think they have a top 10 player running back wise, but still they have a pretty decent running back core. So I think they'll be able to get it done. Um, But I, I just, all around, they have leaders and they have dudes that can, you know, I don't know. So to me, I think that they're probably going to have one of the best records in the NFL. Like I said, adding adding a guy like that in the middle of your defense who can truly lead your defense and put people in the right positions. Like he is truly one of, one of the smartest guys um, to play on the defensive side of the ball and, and move people around. And we haven't, you know, we don't really get many of those guys that can do that. So I think that, you know, adding him to that defense is, is just, it's going to make it even more dominant and and we're going to see them go on a run over the next couple of years. That's just going to be, that's going to be fun to watch, especially now that they're in LA and, and they can be in the lights and the shine and, and all that fun stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, any of anybody else have anything? Nothing for me. Dom, anything from you, man? No, got nothing. All right. Well, this thanks guys for joining me. Uh, this has been another episode of Two Minute Drill. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Two Minute Drill. And make sure to follow the show on Instagram at Two Minute Drill Podcast. D-D-S. Don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Also, comment on all our posts and episodes. We would love to hear what you think about the show and what we talk about each week. And as always, two-minute drill listeners, until next time.